Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Flitzwater Podcast. This is episode 37. Over there is Helen. And on this side is me. I'm Kobe. On this episode, we're talking about Force Majeure with fellow quiz team member Rob, who's a film editor extraordinaire, and John Lunny from Future Music. Like what you hear? Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and visit the website FlixWatcher.tv for full listings about this particular show. As always, films reviewed in this podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording. There may be bad language and there may be spoilers. You have been warned. So this episode of FlixWatcher podcast has been brought to you by Geo Productions. And I have to say a massive thanks to Geo Productions. They've been holding my hand on FlixWatcher with Helen and I with a superb sexual editing skills they're producing podcasters and helping podcasters like ourselves help them sound awesome so we really want to big you guys up and they said if anyone out there wants to be a podcaster and wants their help then reach out to them podcast at glpro.co.uk and tell them that Flixwatcher sent you and you'll get 10% of your first package of your first order so you've got nothing to lose hello and welcome to this edition of Flixwatcher pod today we are joined by John and Rob, if you would like to say hello, introduce yourselves, please. So, John Lunny, I can hear me on Future Music FM. I've got a sort of fortnightly music show there, but also a keen film fan. And uh, every now and then we'll do sort of soundtrack specials, sci-fi and so on. And welcome back to the pod. Thank you very much. Yes. This is number three, I think. Three. I'm uh, Rob Goward. I'm I'm an assistant editor working in film and TV. Big film fan, always have been. Big TV fan. That's pretty much all I do, which is... What kind of films and TV have you worked on? I've worked on Doctor Who. I worked on the Doctor Who spin-off class. I'm currently working on Death in Paradise, BBC One. Yeah, just trying to trying to get higher up the ladder. Yeah, fair enough. John, you chose the film. Tell us what it's called and why you chose it and what happens. So it's called Force Majeure, which I think in its native tongue is called The Tourist. It's a Swedish director, I think it's from 2014, and why I chose it is just because it was in a long list of films that I was talking to, uh, talking to someone about uh, sort of to watch. So I thought coming up with a, a new one, it sounded pretty interesting. So I thought this would be a good opportunity and excuse to actually sit down and watch it. It's about a Swedish family, husband, wife, and the two children, a son and daughter, on holiday, I think in France on a skiing holiday. And uh, it's kind of interesting because it starts off just a normal normal holiday and then at one point they are sort of sitting out in a restaurant in the resort 
and there's a controlled explosion further up the mountain because they're clearing snow away from uh, potential avalanches and so on. And all the snow comes down the hill and ends up, uh, sort of big cloud of snow ends up engulfing the, the, the resort and all the restaurant people get panicked, everything else. And as it all clears, you realize that the, uh, the father has abandoned his wife and the two kids, he's run off to save himself and they sort of pick each other up and everyone gets back together again. And he comes back and sort of sits down, sort of like nothing's really happened. And the wife is just aghast, thinking you've left us to this avalanche. And the rest of the film then effectively picks up the aftermath of that and the kind of the breakdown in trust and questioning the relationship. And he can't really accept that he did what he did and he doesn't remember it the same way as everyone else does. And kind of the impact has on their relationship and then other people around them. I think I'd like to start off with the point of his his recollection of the events. Do you think he remembered he remembered it in a different way to it? You know, it just happened in his mind differently, or do you reckon he was trying to kind of mask how pathetic he could be perceived by his family? Because do, doesn't he stop to pick up his phone? He makes sure yeah, that he has his phone. He makes sure so he, he makes sure phone. he's got his phone. Yeah. Important. Well, I, th- I think it's probably I think it's probably a bit of an element of of, of both really because it's it's when I mean, that's the that's the conversation that his friend Matt Stroys has has with him later that that it was almost reactionary and then that's you know and then this is talking about the ending but but that's kind of the you know the whole point of of the ending with his wife is that she effectively does that as well yeah so I, I don't know if it's it's trying to make a point that that men and women would look at that scenario differently or the man is expected to act in a certain way or and he failed in that or does that make him a, a coward i don't know if it makes him a, a coward it just means that he reacted the way that some people would react in that situation i'm not because oh yeah i mean i'm not kind of talking about the way he reacted i'm talking about the, how he remembered it and because part of the problem with the arguments was that he didn't own up to the fact that he did something that he potentially shouldn't have done in the eyes of his kids and his family but the fact he was kind of saying, "Yeah, we, yeah, we saw an avalanche," and uh, yeah, it was fun, but no kind of acceptance of the fact that he ran away and left his kids. And I think that's one of the things, one of the threads that really pulled away at his wife was that he wasn't owning up to that fact. And I was wondering whether he simply just didn't remember it properly, or he just didn't want to accept that he did run away. It all happened pretty fast. Yeah, but he definitely ran away. I think it's. But it's a really tense film throughout. The thing that struck with me is the kind of it's quite emotionally charged, and some of the scenes, and it's quite, quite a, a tense um, film. And I think, that especially the relationship with him and the wife, and sort of the disbelief, and trying to reconcile these two versions of events. And mm. I suppose he's kind of torn. And I think when you first watch it, he just, yeah, he's kind of co- trying to cover up. I think, and maybe part of him's convinced himself that he didn't do what he did. I think that's my initial take on it. But then he kind of breaks down. And it kind of the realization of what happened because it's some of the stuff is fairly implausible and some of the discussions they have they just you know mentally just can't seem to get past that and accept what happened but yeah it's the conversation later on about you know how people do act differently and remember things differently and that all comes out later on and it's brought to clarity by the mobile phone seeing where she, where, where, she, where he filmed it on his own on his own phone didn't it? And it comes to fruition what actually happened oh gosh and the terrible drunken evening where the wife can't take it anymore and basically the nice dinner with so for for the people that haven't seen it yet and obviously spoiling it all for you anyway two friends join them then during the holiday and they get sucked into this slightly turbulent discussion and i think a nice dinner in the flat turns into this sort of 
wine fueled expose into what happened and exploration and the yeah even watching it all again you still can't quite accept it or just suddenly then just shuts down and can't deal with it all and it's affecting the fact it's affecting the kids as well and then later on it all comes out breaking down in tears i like the fact that it, it it i mean you talk about when the friends come but there's also the i can't remember what's, what's the name of ebba's friend who the lady who's having a bit of fun who's having a bit of fun with the with the when italian they, guy yeah, well, she first she brings the American guy to dinner, doesn't she? And, yeah. uh, and he's, you know, Thomas is explaining it as if oh, it was no big deal. And then, you know, and she's like, oh, and then he, he ran away. And it, that just turns into this horrible kind of awkward moment. Awkward moment. And you, you know that you've you've either been that couple or or, yeah. or been the other couple where... where you're witnessing where an argument. You're witnessing an or you're having the argument. Yeah. But it's not, it's not a blazing row argument. It's just a kind of nitpicking at each other kind yeah, of thing because he's like kind of, oh, I, had, I had ski boots on i can't run away and he's like and she's like what do you mean you couldn't you did it with ski boots on you ran away with ski boots on and it, that kind of argument is horrible to witness isn't it when you're on the other side of it and i thought that seems quite interesting because they've they switched from speaking english to swedish norwegian at that point so that the american guy looks so really the american confused. guy couldn't, couldn't it was like okay something's going on here i don't really don't like this well that's, that's something, actually one aspect of the film I quite like as well the fact that it was mostly swedish for the family but because it's they're on holiday somewhere else mm. then they're actually speaking english to sort of other people and so it's quite interesting was this set in france i think it was yeah at least the yeah what were your thoughts helen well it's it's billed as a comedy drama on uh, on the imdb black comedy play. drama yeah again it was one that i missed at the cinema and was on the list of films to see but not really knowing that much about it because obviously the sort of poster and everything kind of does bill it as the avalanche being an avalanche, but it's not really an avalanche, which no. is kind of funny in itself because when it happens, obviously you think there's going to be this big event and it's going to have this big physical impact in, in the snow and that's going to be the way that it's going to affect the family. But as everyone realises that, it's just kind of powder and they all <laughs> start, start laughing and they're all relieved. It's kind of then when the tension builds up and things break down and then there's more tension as you come to the end of the scene. So at the end of the film when they're in the coach, which is probably the worst bit of the whole film. And there's bits sort of here and there. And the use of music is particularly good. Yeah, yeah. It kind of adds this level of tension and you're sort of sat there going, is something going to happen? And because they're on the Alps, there's always this slight element there could be more danger ahead that you're not really sure about. So it's a really, really interesting film. And it does kind of have slightly comedic moments as well. So it's it's a tricky little one. I was going to say, it's kind of the opposite of a, of a modern blockbuster, really, isn't it? Because the modern blockbuster has apparently got all this tension. Well, some hope is intending to have all this tension. And there's like a big moment at the end. Whereas this, there's the big moment at the start. And then the, the kind of reverse tension ramifications from that. In, in, in a way and the fact that the, the very last shot is just them walking down the road in a group and i think the dad's then smoking by that stage if i remember correctly he's smoking he's got a yeah. and they're all and they're space. all separate yeah they? they're all kind of separate but yeah. they're still walking as a big group and if, yeah. speaking about the tension the one thing that really struck me was the use of sort of the static camera shots yeah so fixed position and lots of long shots yeah as well. and, and yeah. there's bits where they're kind of on the you know the, the sort of moving uh, walkway for example and it's the film all the way down from the end going up past and the, the dialogue's there the camera doesn't move there's bits in the hotel room where quite a few times because there's different days where they are brushing their teeth and like the mum and dad you don't even necessarily see their heads 
you're just seeing them reflected in the mirror. I think it is all, all thereabouts and they're brushing their teeth and the camera doesn't move, they just come and go. And I think that you're kind of watching it, it kind of really, this is really sort of little box you're watching and all the kind of actions there. So it's quite. I, I read that they did kind of, I, re I read today that there was, in some cases, they did like 50 takes of things like that, even though it's mundane stuff like brushing the teeth and stuff. They wanted it, the director wanted it in this particular tense way or, or mundane, boring way. So he just kept making them do the really mundane stuff over and over again. So they looked more and more bored and it looked, and that kind of racks the tension up through. Yeah, I thought those kind of things were really real, actually. Yeah, brushing the teeth with the family. I did notice, are you guys, have you guys skied before? Are you skiers or snowboarders at all? Yeah, I wish mm. once no. a long time ago. Because I'm a, yeah, I'm a big snowboarder and some of the, some of the shots that were made me very, very, very jealous. And well, he used to be a, he used to be a ski, he used to make movies for ski resorts, I think. Oh, did he? The main, the director? Well, I can see, I can, I can tell how, because the way he's kind of set up a lot of the shots and, you know, the, these, these guys are really good skiers. They're deep, they're, they're skiing on like really deep powder at some points and also some of the shots you can tell the cinematographer and director really kind of thought about how it's going to work and play out during the course of it. And also shooting when it's a whiteout, when you can't really, you can't see the sky and stuff like that. So that's, that's got to be really quite, quite difficult to do as well. So I've, I saw this in the cinema initially and I, it took me to watching it on the small screen to actually more appreciate how it was kind of set up because I think I was a bit more wrapped up in how the story was progressing. But I think it is actually really quite striking and well shot film in a lot of different ways, I think. I think going back to the, you reminded me of two points there, but going back to, you know, talking earlier about the discussion around you're never quite sure what's going to happen or the Alps and the, one of the beauties of actually watching a film, I had no idea what's going to happen next, which mm. doesn't often happen these days because things have been trailed so much before, you've got so much, so much more exposure. And one was, you know, for example, walking towards the end and the, in the Alps or on the bus, what's actually going to happen? And then the bit where the, the two friends go off skiing, you know, off piece by themselves. Yeah. Saying, Actually, is this going to be a moment where there's real jeopardy and then something's going to happen? Thomas and Matt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, in deep powder, and, or, or are they going to turn on each other or something like that? It was that kind of. It was so much tension in the film of, if not very much happening sometimes. Thinking, where's it going to come from? But that was them reclaiming their their manhood. alpha maleness, yeah. and yeah. then but then that all falls apart, doesn't it? When they're they're sitting down. And that girl comes over and says, my friend really likes you. <laughs> oh, it's not you. It's not you. <laughs> and then uh, Matt's almost starts a fight because yeah. so angry. And they, I think that's out. funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but, uh, but it, got to, it got to the stage where before, um, I don't know what I should say this or not. It's spoilerific. So, so, we so, say at the top so of the show. The, the point, it gets to the stage where the kids have heard their mum and dad arguing and the dad saying, dad breaking down saying, I'm a coward, I, I cheat at games playing with the kids, stuff like that. <laughs> and, and the children are effectively losing confidence in their father and it's all, because they're quite, they're not, they're old enough to sort of understand, but young enough not to be able to deal with it very well. And so the mum and dad presumably then concoct this thing where the four of them go off skiing, where it's, the weather conditions are quite bad and they effectively, the two kids get, mum sort of disappears and then the dad goes back to find her and rescues her in quotes and brings them back to the children so you know waiting in the, in the middle of nowhere and i actually thought at one point that it was that was going to be the end of the film that i thought of this horrible dark moment where he the, the mum disappeared you can sort of just hear her mm. somewhere up the mountain and the dad says to the kids wait here i'll go and rescue her and i thought for a moment that was going to be the end of the film and just wait and he never comes back and the kids are there and I just I got goosebumps again no don't do this they're going to end up like The Shining don't make this the, the end of the film <laughs> it's actually, actually a really dark horrible end where the dad becomes a hero and then never it's like oh and then the kids are lost on the mountain well, and then no, they no. take their own lives and <laughs> eat each other and uh, well it's, it's all, of course that plays that anything could happen at one point so uh, thankfully it didn't go that way
I think my spoiler. <laughs> my favorite part of the scene was of the film was the when the two guys are hanging out together after the kind of argument because preceding that a what's the main guy, guy called again Thomas Thomas he has that breakdown in front of Matt and and Fanny and his wife and these kind of things come to light but then Fanny says to uh, Matt later on he's like yeah you would have done the same you would have run away and he gets really pissed off with that and he can't reconcile even though she's just like yeah, I think you would have done it. This this twenty year old kid would have stayed with the kids, but you would have you would have fucked it right off. And he gets really pissed off with that. So that day after that that kind of argument from both sides is them kind of dealing with their own spouses. But then what's interesting about that is that Matt does step up to the plate at the end. Yeah, doesn't he? And and I mean, I was looking at another another essay on it today, and it was it was also saying about the um, it was talking about you know that this film really shows the the cracks in you know, the facade of the happy marriage. And so Ebba is very judgmental about her friend who's cheating on her husband and yeah. they have an open relationship. But at the end of the day, she's very happy and she's the one that isn't fussed and doesn't really, isn't bothered about getting off the bus at the end. She's not the one who- Oh, she's is, the one that stays on the bus. She's the end, yeah. one that stays yeah. on the bus. So she's not, she's not stressed. She's not, yeah. you know she she's in a good place and it's not it's not necessarily you know open relationships are great marriages are terrible it's just saying that that you know that honesty i think is you know it, something an outside factor can affect can affect your relationship and then that can cause a rift whereas if you're maybe more easygoing and not ju everyone harbors judgments and prejudices against against each other and i think that's what this film is about ultimately it's about what you secretly think about your partner or the other people around you. So you, that's that's the thing is because, as Helen said, you think it's going to be. I'm oh, sorry, I can't remember who it was that said, but you think it's going to be one massive avalanche and the whole family's going to get caught up in it because that's the story of the film. But it is literally some powder snow and it kind of settles. And I, first time I watched it, I kind of thought, is this enough really to cause a rift in the whole family? But then. Your, well, your kind of point is that there's, there's more, there's cracks in there that this has just kind of opened up a bit more. Well, it goes back to the Matt and, uh, and and Fanny then later on. You know, that, that scene's brilliant because there's, there's the two of them in bed discussing it after the argument. And she uh, she brings it up and you've left, you've left your wife and your kids, for example. Mm. Your previous, he's separated from his, you know, his previous marriage. So you have a kind of history of running. And he's saying, no, but I, I work really hard. I support my family. And that's I love that scene for a different reason because it just keeps cutting out and he won't let it lie. And then say, okay, fine, we'll, we'll leave it. And then the light goes off and then it comes back again. And clearly later on, they've been up for hours during the night and it's just really dug into him that he's like, is this what you think of me? And I'm, I've got my view of how I you know, look after my family, but he's kind of really undermining that. So it's really, and it's really interesting how it's kind of the relationships, how the knock-on effect and how it all affects other people. Helen? I, was gonna add, I, I also quite like the bits where they're sort of locked out or they're having the sort of mini arguments outside yeah so the cleaner or the janitor's just kind of like looking at them and you can just see it's just going another foreign family arguing falling out on on the holiday that's meant to be perfect throughout the film he thomas kind of presents himself as not the adequate man forever because in that there's one scene where they're both outside and she says can you tell him to go away please and he's about to do it, but kind of does it in a meek way. And it has to be ever that stands up to this guy and says, can you fuck off please? We need some privacy. And there's other parts during the film where she has nothing but contempt for him, I guess. So I think it's going back to your point there, Rob, about there's some cracks in the relationship and she's not, they've not been happy in some way, shape or form. The whole reason they're there is to get 
some rest because he's been working too hard and it just this time away hasn't really helped to relax them and it's but it could it could partially be that that because he's such a workaholic he's actually not very good at dealing with his family and that's why he works so hard and spends so much time away from them is because maybe deep down he knows he's a shit parent a shit (laughs) shit husband you know or or it could also it could also just be that male female thing of you know the the stereotype of men never want to ask for directions and 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 you know a man doesn't lots of men don't want to put themselves out there or embarrass themselves or inconvenience someone else by asking them to go away for example i mean in a scenario like that would you definitely walk over to the guy the guy and say fuck off we want some privacy i don't i probably would, I, if my wife you suggested it, it. <laughs> yeah. if my wife suggested, if it, I probably, suggested yeah. it but but, but you, i would yeah but i would if if we were just having a chat i don't think i would have thought to ask him to look away because he was like a floor or two up yeah and i would have just kind of tempered the conversation a bit but if it if i was asked to ask him to go away i would have said make him just sort off a bit what do you think helen what would i i no i just I, mean no, it's yeah, like, I think it, it's it's open to interpretation. I just think it's kind of interesting to have a film that the man isn't the hero or the, you know, he's up there as being the, the saviour of the family. And also it's not quite resolved either. So it's mm. not like he has these moments of doubt and he is a bit of an arsehole and he admits it and then everything's all right in the end. So it is a really interesting film. And I guess it's a film about relationships that we, we don't normally see. So, yeah. It's really interesting, but I do think it is. I mean, we're talking quite serious about serious sort of issues, but I do think there are moments of humour in it, and it is a little bit kind of wicked in that it's sort of looking at this family that are trying to be so perfect, and in reality, things aren't quite perfect, and you know, you do have these problems, and it just kind of brings them out in these kind of exaggerated ways because the mundane is pushed into the big arena a bit more. But does you're right, it does ask some fairly big questions, I think, in sort of about the relationships and honesty and everything else. And going back to the, the sort of discussion around what would you do and everything else and the guy, you know, his expectations for himself and what he ends up doing. And it was really interesting because Matt's at one point talks about the, the ferry disaster. This, I think it was a yeah. ferry disaster in the film. It was really interesting because I, I remember watching, it was either a 909 episode or a documentary about that years ago. And I was, and I had that in my mind, and I was watching it earlier on. And the fact that he, he actually in the film mentioned it around the expectations about what you do, and everyone wants to be the hero, it doesn't work. And I, one thing that really stuck with me from that, the only thing in fact I remember from that documentary was one of the survivors, you know, you know guy probably in his thirties, being interviewed, saying about how he was clamouring over other people to get out and stuff like that, and how you, you know you want to be the hero, but he's he looks back and he's kind of. You know, almost haunted by the fact that he didn't—he wasn't that guy, and he just got out and and was one of the you know, few survivors that made it compared to everyone else. And, and it's really interesting, cause, yeah. And it's it's a it's a it's a dark comedy in a way, but it does mm. it does ask some. It's it's quite tense. And it's quite it's very much a sort of drama in that regard. And I think it does pose some quite interesting questions. And as you say, the end of it, everyone's kind of quietly walking down the road. And it's kind of you know, shot pulling back. It's quite. a a nice ending in a way it just kind of leaves it open perfect date movie really <laughs> <laughs> the other one better is shame as a as a date movie oh yeah it's yeah. fantastic yeah. <laughs> yeah before we go into the popcorn and the and the scores i want to ask everyone what do you honestly think you would have done in this situation in thomas's position i'm going to start with helen 
it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I don't. It have, is difficult. I don't have yes. any children, so are you asking if if I theoretically had children, would I have stopped to save them, or would I? Yeah, I guess if you were ex- exactly in Thomas's position with kids and a family, what do you think you would have done? Well, obviously, I would like to think that I, as a mother, <laughs> as a female, would have the instinct would kick in, and that I would protect my children. But again. We, we can only speak hypothetically. Rob? Well, I, I've actually got a child, so I feel like I have to give I have to give a particular <laughs> answer or my my wife's gonna kick my ass when I get home. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think in that in that scenario I'd I would run but make sure I grab them as I run. Yeah. If I'm if that makes sense. So I I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like hang back and make sure they go first. I would grab my daughter and then run. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. I wouldn't actually consciously kind of turn to her and shield her necessarily because I can't guarantee I would do that, but I know I would grab her and just put her along. What about the phone? Did you get that to? <laughs> Depends <laughs> if I have insurance or not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, have you got everything back to us to the cloud? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. John? Everyone wants to think they, they do uh, do the heroic thing, but who knows? Yeah. And that's the whole, that's the whole point of that film, that it's sort of, it's the instinct versus, you know, survival. Just, yeah, exactly. The kind of the you can't even, the the mental process doesn't even work anymore, and the spinal cord kicks in, and just you start running. But I'd like to think so, but who wouldn't? We'll go to the pub after this, and yeah, some pre- women will put, chat put us on up some and ski boots and practice yeah. running, seeing we'll how be, easy it is. We'll be alpha males. <laughs> Come, capes. What's that? Well, you haven't answered. Oh yeah, sorry. I think I'd like to think I I would do what you do, just grab the kids and literally, if it if I'm pulling their arm out of the socket to get them out of there. And save myself at the same time. I think that's realistically why I think I do. But yeah, it's, it is a completely sort of question. <laughs> Time for popcorn? Yeah. Yeah, let's do the popcorn. So thank you to Popcorn Shed. Do you want to, well, let's play Guess the Flavour, see if you can guess the flavour of this one. Yeah, we didn't have popcorn last time you were on, John. No, but... So we've, we've gone up in the world. Popcorn Shed was surprised us with some... Lovely, Whereas lovely. if I don't get this ne- next time I'm on, then I'm just going to be very disappointed. Yeah, they, they can probably edit in the right answer. Mm. So, what flavors can you taste there? Toffee. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of close. There's there's a big ingredient. Its name has got an ingredient in it. I wonder if you can guess what it is. Its name has got an ingredient in it. Oh, they, yeah, they've got like cute little names. Well, the flavors and the name. So it's not just like sweet or anything like that. <laughs> don't know butterscotch don't know it's pecan pie uh, yeah, so this is a caramel with golden roasted pecans give me a few more I might you know yeah. well you grab a big handful you take them one at a time I've never seen anyone eat popcorn <laughs> like that before we're trying to be delicate <laughs> non-alpha males oh, are you generally sweet or salty as a rule <laughs> <laughs> your popcorn preferences half and half Half um, and half. Oh no, salty, no. no, salty probably. What mixed? No, salty. Oh right, okay. Yeah, no, I, I would pick salty. It's, I mean, uh, have I ever done half and half? They might, I might have done actually. I've done it's the. Also, it's also a poultry reference. So. We had a we had a a bag of popcorn in our house for a, over a year, which was salty popcorn. Over a year. Yeah, because we just don't what do salty. But yesterday, it? I just kind of thought, let's eat this, and I didn't like it. I'm a, very, it was a year old as well. I'm a very sweet popcorn person. Yeah, but I don't like popcorn that's just got like sugar on it, like you get in a cinema. I don't mind the kind of 
caramel ones or things like that. But yeah. Just sugary ones are just. No, I, I'm yeah. I'm a proper butterscotch. Oh well, that's different. Kiss type oh, that's, toffee right. top thing, yeah. Right. Cinema 1995, kind of thing. Well, I still do it now. Oh, that's bad. Salty, definitely the way, especially in cinemas. That's just my view. So that you buy a big drink and you you buy the combo deal for eighteen pounds, whatever it is we in Central London now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the scores. Caught in the middle of the popcorn eating. First up, recommendability. Yay! On a scale of 0 to 5, how, how you likely can, are you to recommend You can this? go to decimal places. People have been annoyed that Ooh, they've wow. tried to be round, be too round in the scores. You can go to decimal places. Because we're using a spreadsheet. Need. No. <laughs> I'd like to vote it pi. 3.141, yeah. whatever the rest of the day, to 10 decimal points. Shall I kick on? Yes. Yeah, it was your choice. So five. Five recommendability. Yeah. It's oh, straight out of the gate. Yeah, it's real. quite, yeah, really good. Yeah. I was going to go with a four because I don't think it's for everyone. Who do you think it's not for? I don't think it's for couples who have even <laughs> the, slightest, <laughs> the slightest crack in their relationship. But I also, well, I, don't, I think there would be a contingency of, well, it's not like the, the average person who goes to see like Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman is going to love it's this movie. Like, yeah. So, First of all, it's got writing at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? What is that? And no one smashes anyone into a building. So, Helen? I'm I'm with Rob with a four. I did really like it, and I think it's really great and really interesting, but I don't think it's going to be for everyone, and it's two hours long. Yeah, I don't it's think... It's quite it long. It doesn't, I don't think it needs to be that, but it does spend a lot of time enjoying those shots that it sets up. It's, um, it's not an unpleasant two hours, but no. it is quite... Long, a two-hour subtitle film might not be for everyone's with no action, action or anything really happens in it. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. But a four, yeah, I reckon a four, four point one because I like using decimal places. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think now finding who's who's going, who's lobbying for the decimal places. Yeah, it's a good film, and I think most people I hang out with who watch films are happy to watch subtitles. So I don't think that would necessarily put them off, but I think it some people would be a bit of a tall order. Repeat viewing score. John? Three, I think. Not because, just because it's is quite tense, quite dramatic. You wouldn't watch it all. It's thought-provoking, but you wouldn't watch it all the time. Wouldn't go any lower than the three, though, because it is still really good. So it's kind of a middle. So I actually wrote one to two because I just, I liked it, but I do not feel the need to ever watch it again. Don't need to feel ashamed of I'm your not. score. Yeah. I'm just, well, John's looking at me like in that way that he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a different way, Rob. Oh, wait, no, that's fine. <laughs> then a ten. Yeah, I think let's go 1.5 just because, like I say, I just don't think that... I don't, I don't need to watch it again. No. Helen? Not that I'm copying you, but I'm also going to go 1.5. I've only seen it once. Don't really feel the need to see it again, but I may see it again. But I'm all right at the moment. It's uh, not the kind of film that yeah, you're you going to... If it's, if it's on the TV and it's already halfway through, it's not the kind of film that you would... Continue. It's not. It's not like when yeah. you'd sit yeah. and watch and mm. kind of quote along, or you'd like, oh, this really great bit's coming off. I'm going to really enjoy this bit. It's uh... Prince Charles should do a quote along. <laughs> <laughs> what in the Norwegian Swedish or the or the English? Yeah, yeah, just the the hardcore version without the subtitles. Without subtitles. Yeah, I can because I can speak Norwegian. They're speaking between. She was. Um, she's speaking Norwegian. He's speaking Swedish. And it's quite interesting seeing how they all kind of interact with each other. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's what it was because fucking that could, those 
places have so many different dialects going on. Is he from? Yeah, the swearing again, wasn't I? Sorry. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think perhaps a two for repeat viewing score. I think it's it's a good film, but I think there's. But a, you've seen it twice. I now. saw it twice, but yeah, first time was at the cinema because I really liked the idea, and I I love seeing stuff at the cinema. And the second time was because you had to because I had to because you suggested it. So I'd watch it again, but I don't think it'd be high on my list. And if I watch it again after that, I'd be very very surprised. Small screen score. You've all seen it just on the small screen, haven't you? Yes. Four, probably. Works absolutely fine on small screen. I think some of those kind of closed, you know, interior shots wouldn't necessarily have to watch in the cinema. But some <laughs> of the big exterior ones might look amazing on a big screen, actually. So, so four because it works, but not five because I think perhaps some of the film might look even more impressive on a big screen. I don't think it lost anything on a small screen, and that's all I watched on. I literally watched it on my phone. Oh, did so, you? Yeah. What? With the subtitles? Yeah, I got in late. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have very good eyes. What's it with a microscope? Yeah, I watched it with a microscope. <laughs> I did watch it with headphones, so yeah. that is, you know. Oh, yeah, so that, that's you, good. You get, that's okay. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, forgivable. Yeah, it's not like it was on a bus. <laughs> you know, one of those people who just plays music on a bus without headphones. In. But yeah, it was fine. It, you know, I can't come in. Again, like John said, I think that. You know, and like you said earlier, those landscapes and things, because, you know, I have watched snowboarding films on big screens and things, and I think it's, you know, you, you get a lot out of, out of that. But it certainly doesn't, I wouldn't say you have to have them for the, the tense moments and no. the, all the conversations and stuff, apart from maybe to see twitches in people's faces or whatever. <laughs> how, and how, how does that equate to a score? Oh, I wrote Can't Commit, so let's go three. <laughs> nice. I just saw your piece of paper. You wrote like a little family tree on the on the back. I did, yeah, <laughs> just because I'm terrible with names, so I was writing down. Who are you, <laughs> Helen? For for reasons you've already said, I, I don't think you're missing out not seeing it on the big screen, and you know the mundaneness works for <laughs> for the small screen. But don't watch it on your phone <laughs> if you can. How? Yeah, specifically, I can see your phone is a small one as well. It's not. Yeah, that's a bit silly. I think I reckon four point. <laughs> four point. I've got the same size phone. I'm not. I'm not berating the fact it's a small phone. I just think I wouldn't watch a, a film on that. I watched House of Cards on it as well on the train. Crikey! I know. I know. I'd say yeah, four point five. I don't think it because, like I said, I saw it in the cinema and I actually found perhaps a better experience actually on the small screen. So I think. Oh yeah. Engagement score, John four again. Probably because it's good, but yeah, you've got this thing. You know, there's those static shots, and everything else, which are tense, and everything else. But there's no, there's no kind of rip rollicking uh, plot to keep you going through. But I think it does definitely draw you in. I think the characters are really interesting, and um, yeah, it was maybe two hours, but I don't think you really felt bored or felt like it was dragging. Really, even though it is quite a slow film in places, but it's certainly some interesting issues and. Uh, to watch and you Rob I put a three um just because I think I mean this kind of goes back to my point of repeat viewing is, is obviously the first time it's very tense and things like that but equally if you're not if you're not in the mood for for that kind of drama then I can imagine you could just tune out <laughs> and you're watching it on your phone and yeah. you're watching it on your phone and it's so you're, 10 o'clock at night so. you're watching on your phone so you couldn't do the typical thing of check your phone no exactly so that's, so that's, that's a good reason for watching a film on your phone <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, I, 
and like I said earlier, it's it's not the kind of film where if it was on TV and it was halfway through, you know, some certain films you have to you Shawshank. Would, yeah, like Shawshank. If that was halfway through, even if it's twelve o'clock at night and you've got to get up at four in the morning, then yeah. you would still probably stay up and watch at least, well, at least to a particular scene. Whereas this, I don't think I would. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a four. I was engaged all the way through, even, but. It's not kind of like a five because there are some slower bits and I know that if I watched it again it wouldn't have my full concentration but watching it the first time round I think you do you do have to give it quite a bit of attention because there's quite some subtle bits in it and mm. with the body language and I think kind of also sitting through the really mundane bits is kind of part of the endurance thing of watching the film so you have to kind of be in there during the really really boring bits to kind of get what it's like being in this family. I reckon a three, based on the double viewing. I think the second time, I, was, I just knew what was kind of coming up, so I was kind of waiting for the... My, my favourite scene, I think, was with Fanny and Matt's in the, in the bed when they were kind of arguing. I thought that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Also, the um, with Matt and Thomas, the boys, the boys, Dolly Boys outing afterwards. I thought that was quite funny, so I was kind of waiting for those bits. And that gives, it a, gives us an overall score of 3.4. Pretty good. I think's fair. Did you feel the two hours more the first time or the second time? I felt the two hours more the second time. I don't think it needed to be. Did you notice it the, the first time? Did you feel no, like I didn't notice the first time in the cinema? And when I when I sat down to watch this, or when I was preparing to watch this, I thought, okay, it's about 90 minutes, we'll sit down. And then you kind of sat down and like, what, two hours, really? And it does kind of stick in the it does kind of stick in places, I think. But I think it was a locked off camera shots that took a lot of the time out of it and could have dragged. It could have been a slightly different film if it didn't happen, though, I think. It's, it's like you, you could probably do an edit where you speed those up for... I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you could that's probably, exactly what you, you do. Probably, that's your job. You, you might even be able to shave off 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. I, I had thought but it might be good. Please do and share it with us. I, I had thought, I was, I was actually, from an editing point of view, I was thinking about as an exercise, kind of taking films that I thought were too long. And editing, and, I, and I thought of this when I saw the uh, Meryl Streep, Alec Baldwin film, It's Complicated, which for some reason I watched with my wife while we were on holiday in Budapest. And that's over two hours long as well. And I just thought there's loads of long shots in that which you could just... Remove. Not Yeah, not, not rem- and not lose anything from the foot or shorten them at least. And it's just... What? That thing you do. <laughs> surely, surely if yeah, ever that's got songs film. in it, so that's, that's more... Yes, it's, 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 it's got only song. got one song. It's got song in it. Oh, mate! If I you, haven't seen if it. I start anywhere. Oh, really? After oh. hearing all you guys talking about it, I have no desire to watch it, <laughs> oh, let alone sit there and re-edit it. It's a. I think it's. I go. On, I am on record saying I think it's a half decent film, and lots of people on the Twitter have said it's their favorite film. So, talking about the Twitter, we did reach out to people on Twitter to give us their opinions of Force Majeure, and we have Sudden Double Deep who said we cover the film on their. So these these guys are also podcasters. We cover the the film on their recent Triple Bill. It both gave it four stars, so they really big fans of it. Janiel Ramji says three three and a half out of five stars. Interesting premise and fascinating arguments. Could have done with that one weird ass party scene without oh. that one weird ass party. Oh, scene I like that bit. Sequence. Bit, a bit of bit of yeah. bit of like release. There's a drone in it as well. That's for you though, isn't it, John? Very you, yeah. Weird ass, <laughs> weird ass party scene. <laughs> Exploding helicopter. What's this pitch black comedy through your fingers as the marriage implodes in painful slow motion? Four stars. And we all know Exploding Helicopter, and that's very high. Four, four stars for him yeah. very, very high for... for Although he does have random random things that he loves yeah. that, that surprise me every now and then. And 
Rough Giraffe says, a very darkly realistic movie. movie Makes men say out loud, I'd never leave you like that, honey. And women think to themselves, would he? Four out of, four out of five stars. God, that, that sums it up quite well. It pretty much yeah. does, isn't it? And the final one, it's not a review, but it's uh, from a good friend, Top Film Tip, who likes to give prescient and pithy Twitter reviews, which says, after abandoning family in instant of avalanche-induced panic, father faces nuanced ramifications, exquisite drama, hashtag force majeure. So thank you very much to Top Film Tip for your contribution to, to this podcast. I think that's, yeah, four, it seems like three and a half, four stars, which kind of tallies in with what we, we were saying. Yeah, I mean... I think we all kind of recommend that you do check it out if yeah. if this is your bag or you like skiing maybe yeah or snowboarding just snow if you like snow yeah you'll like this film if you like snow and watching families on screen kind of fall apart I think yeah thanks guys for coming in could you just sound us off as to where you are how we can find you online if you want to be found online and so say, say sayonara so uh, John Lunny you can find me uh, on Twitter at John Lunny or Mixcloud at John Lunny and yeah, sorry, no. Thanks for having me. Rob, Rob Garwood. You can find me on Twitter as at Rob Makes Films. I don't go on it too much, but uh, occasionally splurge on there. So hit me up on there. Don't look at me like that, John. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, it's time to say goodbye. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Bye. 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 Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We had a lot of fun doing it please do check out all the details in the show notes to find out all the details about our guests where to find them on twitter where to find their website where to harass them don't harass them because they're very nice people <laughs> thank you very much to our editors as always toby is the main guy who who helms and carves our voices and also hellos to tony jay and greg and everyone else at geo productions who we haven't met yet of course please big up mighty people for the tunes you can hear now and at the start of the podcast please don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes find us on twitter at flitswatcherpod and visit our website flitswatcher.tv 